Welcome back to School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, joined uh, this week by Matthew Chandler, as always, and uh, Calvin from our Royal Blue Mercy page. Calvin, how are you doing today? Hey, how's it going? It's going well. It's going well. Um, you know, not uh, not too shabby when we are uh, talking about some victories. So, oh yeah, <laughs> always always good to uh, do that when we're talking about Everton. But let's say uh, get into. Um, you know, let's start with the first game that we got to talk about, the Fleetwood game, um, the Carabao Cup. Everton obviously winning that one 5-2 to two over Fleetwood. Um, there were six changes to the lineup that included Kenny coming in at right back and Kunku at left back, um, Delph and Sigurdsson, and Wolby, Bernard all finding their places in the midfield as well. Um, initially, initial thoughts, um, well, I guess, Calvin, we'll start with you. Initial thoughts on this uh you know this this game oh so uh, the the squad selection was interesting right because the previous game um yes against southwood city you could see um ancelotti was uh, pretty much rolling out his second 11 um and then he decided to go with a bit of a blend of experience uh, for fleetwood so i thought that was that was a good healthy amount of respect for what fleetwood could do um, and in fact, within the first 20 minutes, we could see uh, we were going to walk right over them, right? Um, they were obviously, Fleetwood were obviously out of their depth um, playing against guys like Richarlison. And, uh, and you know, oh, I think I was very encouraged by a couple of performances in that game. Um, but, you know, again, just quickly going over the score, right? 5-2, that pretty much says it all. I think that game was pretty much done and dusted at halftime when we were leading 2-0. We missed a couple of other chances as well. So... Really should have won that game three or four nail, but um, again, I'm pretty sure we'll end up talking about it, right? We had some defensive breakdowns, uh, allowed allowed uh, Fleetwood to come back into it and uh, make it a little more interesting, I guess. Uh, I want to, I really want to talk about Dell. I, I thought Dell did really well coming back into the team for someone who hasn't played in was it maybe six months. Um, I'm sure he's probably been uh, playing in training, but I, I was very impressed by how he controlled the game. Um, just, you know, every, any time we talk about performances against Salford and against Fleetwood, right, I think it comes with a bit of an asterisk, right? Lower league opposition, obviously not as skilled players, not as fast. You know, do they, you know, press as hard as, say, Premier League players do? It's obviously a much more physical game. But I was encouraged. I was, I was happy to see Delft come, you know, come back from injury. And considering he's the only sort of like-for-like like cover that we have for Alan. That was that was encouraging for us to see. Yeah. yeah. Matthew. Uh, well, I think starting with the team, I think um, I was not so surprised that it was a stronger team than Salford because obviously we didn't have home advantage and Fleetwood are in the league above Salford anyway, and, and uh, <clears throat> you knew from being managed by Jerry Barton, who's obviously a boy at Everton fan, that he would have Fleetwood bang up for this one as well. So. Um, but actually, I was, I was surprised by how easy Everton made it look in the first half. We, we practically coasted through the game without really getting out of second gear um, and could easily have been more than 2 0 at half time, I think. Um, but, I mean, obviously, the, the, the problem with, I had with this game was that it was basically a followers performance, apart from the fact that Everton kind of jeopardised their own. Win at points with two base, two pretty blatant errors at the back, um, and I know it's kind of the thing at the moment to go like go in on Jordan Pickford for 
any sort of even potential mistake that you could lay at his door. But I think the, the first one when Michael Keane plays it back to him, I think he has this coming to him a lot. I think in that he should just he does this a lot where he sort of faffs around with it without without either passing it out to someone or just boosting it clear. And although it's not the greatest ball for Michael Keane, it's a bit of a hospital pass. You know, he kind of plays him into trouble. He still has time and space to just boot it clear. And then after you do that, you can have a go at Michael Keane if you want for playing that that pass to him. Um, the second Fleetwood goal is, I think, even worse than the first one because not only does he commit himself to go and get it, he, he ends up in no man's land. And then when the overhead kick comes in from such close range, he sort of jumps at it, but doesn't really make any sort of convincing attempt to save it and it just goes through. Yeah. So, you know, you don't want to sort of get bogged down in one admittedly glaring negative on what's otherwise a pretty faultless performance from everyone else. Um, but it just kind of felt like quite a big blot on what was otherwise a very, very solid performance from Everton. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, you know, like you said, uh, in terms of Pickford, just, you know, kind of like you said, flapping about there in the back, it's – you know, he could have, with the ball in the position that he was in, he knew, you know, I'm looking at uh, the five telling stats from that Pete wrote, and he has a kind of a picture in here from one of our tweets um, of where Pickford, Pickford receives the ball. And it's clear that there's two guys on him, but he still lets the ball run across to his left foot. Maybe he thinks he has more time. I mean, you just wish he would have just booted it back in Keane's direction out of play. You know, in that situation, there's no reason to get, fancy with it or try and boot it upfield or find right. somebody to pass to. Sometimes it's okay to just pass it out of bounds and just make sure that nothing crazy happens. And, um, you know, sometimes he might get, you know, a little too fancy with that type of stuff. And, you know, it's just little things like that. Obviously it doesn't cost us in a game like this, um, but in a game against higher op- opposition, better opposition, um, it, it could be a problem. And, um, you know, that's obviously, you know, we, we've been talking about this for a while. Um, but I think what has been said is also right. You know, Keane can't be really making that pass. Um, there's no need for him to make that pass back to, back to Pickford with, as I'm looking at it, five guys within, you know, 18 yards of the goal. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's a difficult one. Obviously, it didn't affect us in this game. A lot of really good stuff from this game. And I don't believe any of us mentioned this, but another great performance from Nkunku. Um, you know, he was fantastic again. And, you know, there's one thing about him, and I think I mentioned this in a past podcast. Um, he just has – he looks like he's a like a pretty, you know, sizable left back. He looks like he's a pretty big, like, demonstrative figure. But he gets up and down the pitch really, really well, up and down that left side. That last goal to Keane was uh, – that pass to Keane was, was fantastic. Yeah. Um, he's showing a lot of really good qualities. And obviously we haven't seen him in Premier League, um, in the Premier League yet against Premier League opposition. But there are some really good signs because even young players um, like him who have in past times played against this type of opposition haven't shown the same type of promise. So um, really looking to be like a bargain buy there uh, at left back um, so far for for, um, Marcel Brands and Everton. Um, obviously we mentioned Everton really, really good first half, um, 73% or 79% possession in the first half with 13 shots. Um, you know, 
anything else you guys want to add? Obviously, you know, I feel like the one thing that we should bring up is that this is largely the same side that played in a lot of the games last year um, that, you know, Carlo under Carlo Ancelotti and under um, and under Marco Silva and this side, there's just a different feel to it. A lot more confidence, a lot more composure. What are your guys kind of opinions on that? I think um, one individual I would point out is Bernard. I thought he was, um, again, he was one such regular last year. He's kind of dropped down a bit to more of a squad player. Um, but he looks a lot more comfortable playing in the central role where he's played against Salford and then Fleetwood. Uh, obviously set Richarlison's first goal up with a great cross and then uh, finished pretty convincingly past uh, Alex Kearns, Fleetwood goalkeeper for the fourth goal. Um, and he looks a lot, he looks a much more effective player, I think, in that central role. I know people have said that he will potentially come up against, you know, bigger sort of burly centre-backs and that he won't be able to compete with that in a more central position. But I think that's a fair point, but I think he's so technically gifted Bernard that he can sort of compensate for that with his ability on the ball. Um, and again, you kind of caveat it with League One opposition. You know, I would like to see him given a chance there, maybe at some point as like a number 10, because I think that is his best position. I don't think he's a winger. I know, he, I know he's played there for the vast majority of his career, but I don't see... I don't think he has the physicality. I think you need more physicality on the wing, if anything, than than, uh, than in a number 10 position. I don't think he has that. So he really impressed me. Um, Alex Iwobi was, was decent. Obviously, he set up with Charles yeah. second with that nice little one-two in the back heel and then got a goal for himself. Um, and I'd give a shout-out as well to Luca Dean, who I don't think is like a viable option at centre-back, but did a job. and Maybe not the best idea to uh, overuse Yerry Mina given how fragile he can be so um, I think in his absence Luca Dean did a, did a solid job um, so yeah like I said I, I don't yeah, not to go back on Pickford but I think everyone else kind of emerged out of the game with, with a lot of credit really yeah and Matthew I think just I guess just before we leave the Pickford topic right I, I think you've mentioned this a few times as well that Pickford seems to do well in games where he's constantly engaged, right? Where yeah. he gets off to a good start, makes a good save, or you know has a couple of good passes and is involved early on. I think it just boosts his confidence, and then he has he tends to play well. He's on his game. But in games where you know we are dominating possession or it's been one way traffic down the other end, he just sort of I think drifts out of the game and then just. I think loses interest or starts listening to the fans behind the goal. Thank God we're playing behind closed doors right now. Uh, but yeah, that's where he just starts to, I think, lose his mind a little bit and then loses focus and then all the errors start coming in. So yeah, I, I'd really like to, I'd really like to see or hear about what's being done on, you know, on him working on that part of his game. Cause I think that's where his weaknesses are. I, I think it's in focus. Um, otherwise, like, as far as agility and you know shot stopping ability, I, I I don't think he's any worse off than you know a standard Premier League or a good Premier League goalkeeper. Um, obviously, I, good to see Ancelotti or good to hear Ancelotti, um, you know, at least boost him up a little bit. Um, and uh, yeah, again, I, I think it's a confidence thing with him. I think it's a confidence thing with a lot of the team. 
So, and, and right now, uh, you know, fringe players who last season, uh, you know, they didn't really help us, right? We, we had a pretty decent first 11, but as soon as injury, suspension, you know, tiredness, uh, fatigue started coming into the, in the picture, we just didn't have quality backups that could come in off the bench and immediately boost the team. And it's, 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 it's interesting that early on already, a lot of those guys are coming in now and putting in like solid shifts. You know, I'm talking Roby, I think, was very good in this stupid game. Bernard, like you mentioned, I think he had a pretty good game. Um, last season, we would see Bernard you know, have impact, but then he would drift in and out of the game. And usually by the 60th minute, it was like, is this guy even on the pitch anymore? Um, so there's a bit of that. I'm happy to see a lot, a lot of the fringe guys, at least they're, they're staking their claim you know, to, to, to at least play some part in the, in, in the squad because we're going to need it. I, it's, it's, it's not getting any less busy, right? We've got another midweek game this week and then Saturday we play before the international break. So, yeah, happy, happy to see the, the squad guys also stepping up. I don't, think, I don't think Pickford's concentration issue is something you can really teach, though. I think it's kind of one of those things that's kind of innate and you've, you've got it or you don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you can try, you can try. You can obviously, right. you know, try and, and, and drill into him or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, we played, what, four lower league teams or four games against lower league teams and mm-hmm. played Lincoln twice, Fleetwood, Millwall. He hasn't kept clean yeah. sheets any of them in games no. where he's probably tested less than he would be in the average Premier League game, which right. speaks to that. And he was very good against Tottenham when, he wasn't bombarded, but he had more to do. I mean, yeah. the fleet would basically score, but they're only two show. Um, yeah. Again, speaks to that kind of lack of focus. Um, but again, again, like I said, I mean, it's more, there's a lot more positives and negatives to take from this game. Yeah. Uh, we won 5-2. We got through. We were pretty convincing, apart from in, apart from in goal. So, um, yeah, got to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I think, the, you know, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but we'll see how Ancelotti lines up against West Ham, um, you know, this coming, this coming week. That'll, I think that'll tell us a lot, you know, not only about his opinions on, I guess, maybe the League Cup and, um, you know, how he sees it or what he sees fit doing there, um, but also may tell us a lot about some of these players who have been playing against the lower competition and whether they can cut it against the, uh, uh, you know, Premier League, a Premier League side as well. Um, so that'll be a good barometer, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Before we, um, you know, get into the West Ham preview, though, let's talk about Crystal Palace and Everton. Um, that case, that game taking place uh, yesterday. We're recording on Sunday, um, September twenty seventh. Is it twenty eighth? I don't even know. Um, but um, but yes, yeah, so that game taking place on Saturday. Team lined up the same as the two previous Premier League matches. Um, Everton winning two to one. Calvert Lewin. With another goal, that's his fifth. I believe he now, I don't know what happened today, but as of yesterday, was leading the Premier League um, in goals for the season. Um, Crystal Palace's only goal coming off of the corner, uh, where Kuyate uh, um, scored off the corner on a header, and then Richarlison, the penalty, um, obviously very, not controversial, but I guess the way the rule is written, starting to raise some questions moving forward. Um, it's just broad opinions, whatnot. Uh, Matthew, we'll start with you. Um, thoughts on this game? Um, yeah, I mean, it's probably the grittiest win we've we've had so far. It wasn't a good performance, I didn't think. I thought Everton were solid in terms of the defensive effort, but not obviously as fluid uh, going forward as they were against West Brom or even Tottenham. 
even though we scored more goals than against Tottenham. Um, I mean, the, the penalty is, is it, by the by the letter of the law, it's a penalty, but it's, it's extremely harsh on Joel Ward. I think I've seen someone say that he, ha- he does move his arm out slightly in terms of like a sort of reactionary move. Um, and while that may be true, I just kind of have, you know, it's the kind of one where if it goes against you, you are kind of cursing your yeah, right. luck or lack of luck. Uh, and obviously there's, there was one about 10 minutes before um, where uh, Kevin Friend goes to VAR again and doesn't give it, whereas the two look pretty similar. I think the one the one that he does give, there is a, a slight more sort of outstretched arm, but we're talking kind of, you know, it's minutia, isn't it, between the two, I think. And then obviously there's one on Dominic Calvert-Lewin where it's hit his yeah. chest and then bounces more sort of onto his arm or onto his hand. So, <laughs> It kind of, I don't know. I've just seen the Tottenham for Tottenham game. They have a similar one with Eric Dyer, where again, it's like, what can you do about that? How can he move his arm out of the way? Um, but I mean, it is the rules, isn't it? So I guess if you want to be by the book about it, and guess referees have to be, otherwise they get slaughtered for you know having one rule for one team and another rule for the other. It's like um, yeah. you know, you just got to go by the rules, haven't you? But I don't think Everton were particularly threatened by Crystal Palace either. I think, um, you know, Amina had a good game. Uh, Marshalling Zahar, along with, with Coleman, um, thought Gomez was, um, you know, kind of continued his sort of early season upturn in form compared to last season. Um, very tidy in possession. Uh, and I think Abdullah Decore. While he started slowly, I think he uh, grew into the game more. And then, when, as you saw, Gomez kind of not not tail off, but sort of tire. Uh, I think Takoi really came to the fore. I think of one really good challenge he made on Sahara in the second half. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, Calvert Lewin gets another goal. So um, great for him that we've that he continues his fantastic scoring streak at the start of the season. So, um, in a way, I think it's kind of. An equally or maybe even more satisfying win than say West Brom or Fleetwood because of how Everton weren't at, at their best and how they really had to sort of dig in for this one. Um, but you know, obviously, there's a bit of good fortune with the penalty, but uh, I mean, we played three and won three, so it's not it's not every season you get to see that, is it? So, no, Calvin, anything to add to that? Oh. A couple of couple of couple of things there. Um, so, like on Mina, right? So, I I, I like Yermina. Right? I I like the exuberance he brings um, to the squad, whether it's uh, you know on in training or on the pitch. Um, uh, I think my favorite moment of the game yesterday was uh, you know I think he slipped and fell, and then sort of you know tried to like jump jump on the ball or at least try to get a block in and then it if we had the ball again on the floor yeah he did right yeah and and i think he actually even got in a sneaky handball in there which eventually did uh-huh. get called so, yeah. but anyway so I, I like mina right and and so this this is this is where I, I i'm a little torn on mina right i think he had an excellent game i think i looked up the numbers he had nine aerials one right that was great because that was a big part of what Palace do, right? Uh, you get Townsend, you know, dropping balls into the box, 
same thing with their new youngster Eze. That kid is good. I, I really like. Very him. good. Very good. Yeah, he's very sweet. Yeah, and uh, so, but and then you know, obviously, Mina's good physically. I think he got in a couple of tackles, uh, he, but but and then this is where he started like really grinding my gears late on in the game with the silly fouls, right? Um, I think he gave away a free kick right on the edge of the box where he shoved uh, one of the play, one of the Palace players. I forget who it was, and then I think he conceded another one with that handball there. So. I think he gets a little overcommitted, overexcited, and then starts making some of his mistakes. And unfortunately, these are the ones that we end up paying for, right? So, like, even the goal that we conceded was from a corner, which, if I, if I, I might have this wrong, I think Alan, Alan tried to, like, uh, get a block in near the corner flag and gave away the corner. I, I think Ancelotti is very, very confident in his defense as far as, you know, using the zonal marking system that he's got in place. To the point where he's fine, or at least is conveying the message to the team that it's fine to give away corners and it's fine to give away free kicks in that area because otherwise, like again, Evertonians, right? Every time there's a free kick or a corner given away, any time in the game, and I'm just like, oh, what's going to happen <laughs> this time, right? So, and then the, you know, and the goal went in, and like, sure, my wife is sitting right next to me, and like, I think she was reading a book, and I like, I'm like yelling, like, knew it. I knew it. This is what was going to happen. Stop giving away damn corners. But anyway, all that aside, right? Um, and then they, they actually scored from a marking breakdown on the corner too. So Mina, in general, I, I think great guy, right? Great, great guy to have in the squad. Um, I, I think he's definitely talented. Um, I, I, just, I, I just need to see him cut out some of the mistakes he's making. And they're silly mistakes, right? None of these are actual critical things. You know, like we talked about with Pickford, right? He loses concentration. With Mina, I think it's just exuberance, right? He just gets overexcited and, boy, he's 6'5", right? He, he pushes someone, that guy stays pushed, right? So, uh, but yeah, I was, I was happy to see him. And uh, again, um, when, when Holgate comes back and if we end up signing, hopefully we end up signing another, another center half, um, we'll have some interesting decisions to make there. And uh, it, it, I think it's, it's a good, good uh, sort of choice for Ancelotti to have, right? If you're playing against a physical opponent, I would absolutely have Mina in there. Right? If you're having, uh, if playing against an opponent who have like quick, uh, small strikers, maybe he's not the best guy. But well, neither is Keane. So no, yeah, I would say yeah. sorry. I, was, I would say on that, I think um, I take your point about Mina's kind of eccentricity. But I mean, Zahar is Zahar is he's not small, but he's certainly like very quick and very sort of agile yeah. player and. He got no change out of Zahar. In fact, he should have been sent off. Was it? Was it Mina who Zahar fouled? And yeah, that, it was uh, on Amazon. Amazon mm-hmm. was streaming the game of it. I don't know what it was like for you guys. Yeah, but they didn't pick that up at all. I was surprised because it just looked very sort of a very nasty um, attempt. Uh, you know, foul from Zahar, which just went yeah. completely unnoticed. And I think that, that was, was the, they, they, that was they noted it. They noted it on the NBC broadcast yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for about you know two minutes, but then they yeah. then they kind of. Well, I just I don't wonder if that was just frustration on Zaha's part because he got no change out of Mina or Coleman. Right. And I think again, it's like with Pickford. I just think that is Mina's sort of mo. That is how he is. He is kind of this slightly off the wall mad center <laughs> back um, who does. Silly things like head a ball that's on the ground. As well. <laughs> um, but he's you know he's also he's pretty reliable and he's, and he's 
Um, as long as he stays fit, he, you know, he's a solid centre back. And yeah. the only the only issue I I thought I I thought he was fine yesterday. I think he's been apart from West Brom's opening goal and maybe the second one last week, where you think should he have jumped for that free kick? Would he have blocked it? Maybe. I, yeah. I don't think he's done anything wrong really. Um, I think the one thing he would say is. Um, either when Holgate comes back or, when, or if and when we bring in a new centre-back. Um, does, does, does the Keane and Mina partnership break up? Because I'm kind of of the opinion that both of them are fine. Both of them are good centre-backs, Michael Keane and Yeri Mina. But they're probably too similar to players of partnership like long-term because I just think both of them are slow. Both of them are, you know... Very sort of imposing, tall uh, defenders, but like I said, not a great turn of pace. Not particularly comfortable on the board. I think maybe Mina a bit more than Michael Keane, but neither particularly, you know, uh, adept at that. So it's certainly not compared to Holgate, who I think is the best of the three. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the question you've got to ask is, and it's maybe a question for another day, but like who, who do you drop out of Keane or Mina? And it's very close because like Michael Keane has played every minute of every game. And has had uh, a, a very impressive start to the season, apart from, I think, being at fault for Crystal Palace's equaliser yesterday yeah. uh, for the corner um, and allowing Kiyate to, to get that header. I don't think you can blame Pickham for that one because how close, how close range this header was. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's can't, can't really do anything about it now because Michael Keane and, and Mina are the only two centre-backs we've got because obviously Lewis Gibson's gone on loan Brantley's injured, Holby's injured, so. Yeah. Maybe Gabamin will be an option. I don't know. I'm just, I don't <laughs> know. I mean, Gabamin has played there, so whether. Yes, he has, yeah. Which yeah. we'll, we'll consider, but. Um, Keen and Mina, I have very few complaints about. It's just about whether they are too similar to be sort of long term partnership. Yeah. No, I, um, I agree with you, Matthew. I think that, um, you know, the one thing I do worry about is if we are in a situation where we're pay, facing, you know, pace here, strikers and whatnot, um, if they'll be able to keep up with them. Um, you know, if Mason Holgate was back next week. I'd definitely put him in in a heartbeat just because I do like his pace there, and he is very solid at center back otherwise. Um, but it is who a tough decision. Would, who, would you drop, who would you drop then? If you put Holgate back in, who would you? I, I probably would drop – I mean, I know – I probably would end up dropping Mina only yeah. because – Keen and Holgate played really well last year together towards the end of the season. They were, they were a good partnership. So I think I'd probably drop Mina just because of that. And I know, um, but it, it's very close. It will be very close yeah. because Mina has played really well as well. I, I'd almost propose we, if Holgate's back next weekend, for example, to drop Keen and give him a break because like you, you pointed out, Matthew, he's played every minute of every game so far. And, I don't know if he's going to be back in the England pitcher again, but especially if he goes away with the international uh, side, then yeah, I would definitely want him to get as much rest as he could. Yeah, that's true. But it, it's tricky though, it, it, right? Okay. And it's a nice problem to have, right? When you have yeah, yeah. guys who are playing so similarly well that you know you don't know who to drop. Yeah. I mean, the thing I would say is that it's a problem now maybe because we're having midweek game after midweek game yeah. right. after midweek game. Um, but then obviously after the Brighton game next Saturday you've got a two week break and yeah. then we, don't, we don't have the next round of the cup is until the end of December so 
Right. I don't think we have another midweek game until the middle of December, I think, against Leicester in the league. Yeah. So um, you should have more sort of rest time between between games with these players, which might suit, like you say, Michael Keane, who's played. Um, but I thought Michael Keane, though, again, like I said, apart from the goal, yesterday has done nothing wrong. Um, no. Yeah. I mean, someone who has kind of had a bit of an up and down career, but yeah. another one who seems to be benefiting from Ancelotti kind of nurturing him and uh, probably just coaching him better. I think, you know, you see with Keane and, and Seamus Coleman, I singled out, but like these players are probably just, it's like I just think that they're being coached better and you're seeing it. And when you have a great manager, you don't necessarily need to spend like hundreds of millions of pounds just to just to like improve your team because you you should be a good enough coach in your own right to get better results out of players. And I think we're seeing that with with players like Michael Keane and Seamus Coleman and Dominic Calvert Lewin. Yeah. If you compare like the way they they played. It's like towards the end of Silver, and like I'm not going to have a go at Silver or anything, but I just think the the difference is kind of stark in how how much they've their form has improved since Ancelotti took over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just look at Calvert Lewin. If you take away, you know, obviously he had that drought in after the restart, but if you take away those, you know, nine games after the restart, say the season did end, um, you know, and didn't get restarted. I think it's like, you know, at this point, 13 goals in 15 games or something like that for Calvert-Lewin. He's been really fantastic as opposed to having only, I think, 12 goals in the 94 games he played under, under, under Silva. So um, I think that was Silva. It was all, it was all before Ancelotti. It wasn't just Silva. It was like, I saw that start as well. It's like Koeman, Silva, Allardyce. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Under the previous managers. for Correct. Correct. Um, But yeah, he's, I mean, either way, he's been fantastic under Ancelotti and, and even under, you know, just since Silva left, he was he had those goals um, under Ferguson as well. So, um, but you did mention Seamus Coleman, and you did write a piece on Seamus Coleman after this week's game, Matthew. So, just go into kind of what sh- your opinions are of him, and you know how things have changed for him specifically. Looks like we have a froze. It's frozen. <laughs> Yes, I just think um, I think Ancelotti's kind of sort of moulded Coleman into a much better defender than he ever was. I think obviously Coleman's reputation is as this sort of marauding flying fullback that we saw mostly under like the start of Roberto Martinez and uh, to a like to a lesser extent like the start of Coleman's tenure. I think um, obviously leading up to that horrible injury he got playing for Ireland. But I just, I just think since Ancelotti's come in again, it kind of goes back to what I was just saying about good coaching, but he's really got the best out of what is left in Coleman. And that's that's not to say that Coleman is like in decline now. I just think, you know, he's 32 in October. He's obviously not going to be the same player he was in, say, 2014. Doesn't kind of fly forward with as much sort of energy now. And I think his delivery is kind of... Wayne to the point where you're you're almost kind of surprised if if a common cross beats the first man, right? Um, but again, I, I say just thought he marshaled Wilfried Zaha really well yesterday, and I think you've seen that in the last few games with Coleman, especially. Uh, you know, Hyungmin Song got no change out of him. Um, you know, apart from maybe you say the Diangana goal for West Brom, which wasn't his fault. 
he didn't get much change out of him. Uh, he did a really good job on Sadio Mane in the Goodison Derby in June. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm surprised in a way because I always thought Coleman was kind of almost like a defensive liability. And yet the way he's, he come, he's improved in that game is really impressive, actually, and will, will afford him, I think, much more longevity than if he carried on being this kind of marauding fullback who just wasn't able to to do that anymore. Um, to give you a stat about this, um, which I saw via uh, Matt Cheatham, who's kind of this sort of Evan Statman, I think, of Sky, or mm-hmm. um, he posted on Twitter about yesterday was the first time Sahar had failed to dribble around a single opponent in a Premier League game in the last four seasons, which... Um, you know, I think a lot of credit for that has to go to Coleman because I think he just kept a quiet all game. I mean, Zahar never really gets anything out of Coleman. Every game I watched, Palace, yeah, when, and the one time he scored against us, Kenny was playing at right back. So and every other time he's played, yeah. he never really has any joy because Coleman's just, just got his number in that respect. Yeah. And I mean, I never thought Coleman would be sold because of how he's kind of part of the furniture at Everton now, but. I think there were a lot of calls for an upgrade at right back, which is understandable. There might still be, um, but and I still, you know, last season I think you would you'd probably say Gibral Sadibi was kind of the better option of the two from an attacking point of view with his delivery. But um, yeah. almost really proved his worth, I think, in terms of his defensive capabilities. And I think the fact that Hamas Rodriguez doesn't maybe track back um, as much as someone like Theo Walcott does in right wing means that there's greater onus on Coleman to do a solid defensive job and I think he's really um, he's really lived up to expectations in that sense so far um, and he's just allowed Rodriguez to, to play his game and, and excel at being you know probably Evans most talented footballer yeah uh, Calvin anything to add to that? Um, not really um, I, I guess let, let's talk a little bit about uh, Iwobi when he came on yesterday, right? So I, I thought Iwobi had a very good game against Fleetwood, right? I, I, I think he, considering how he'd been missing before that, right? I don't think there was any injury reports on him and then apparently he had picked up a minor knock and then he got back into the squad just when everyone was thinking he was being packaged up for transfer out. Um, so that was a good bounce back for him in that game. And then yesterday when he came on late in the game with Everton desperately needing to hold the ball and basically wind the clock down. And again, I I haven't looked up the stats on this, but I just felt every time he touched the ball, he gave it away. It was extremely frustrating. I think he was misplacing passes. Um, He was just getting caught in possession as Palace was swarming forward, which, like again, very frustrating player he will be. I I think he's got ability. I, I think... I think we don't know yet what his best position in this Everton team is. You know, I've seen shouts for, hey, let's play him in the Gomez position. Or, you know, is he cover for Hamas uh, out, out on the right? I, I, I don't know if we know where his best position is right now. But again, there's so much skill there. There's so much talent there. I just want to see more application on a consistent basis from him to, to really give Ancelotti a headache and say, hey, yeah, you know what? This guy needs to be in my team. Where do I fit him? I I agree. I would only I would just say that I would. I'm not saying you are being too harsh right now. I'm just saying I would not, you know, go uh, go mad at a player who's only played ten minutes. I think it's not 
if he did that all game, Sorry. then maybe right. or like for yeah. the duration of like the second half, if he came on at half time, then maybe he could. Well, yeah, I could lay into him a bit more. But I think I just think I wouldn't have brought him on. I would have brought Bernard on. I think. Bernard. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always ring my uh, I ring my granddad after like whenever we don't go to the match, which obviously every game at the moment. Uh, I always ring him after the match. And first thing mm-hmm. he said to me yesterday was, uh, "Why the Why the hell did he bring on?" This is literally the first thing he said. I said, "Hi, granddad." <laughs> he said, "Why the bloody hell did he bring on Davies?" <laughs> Davies, who played all of what two minutes at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're not the only one criticizing Evans subs, but uh, <laughs> no. What well, I think, I thought Sigerson uh, was okay. I would say that I thought Sigerson is probably better suited to that role now as a sub. Right now, up, yeah. Slows the yeah. game down, and Everton needed that probably because the game was too frantic. Yeah. Yeah. Half of my life, it was too frantic all game to be honest. But um, Palace didn't really offer any threat to the point where they were just going long, trying to feed Benteke. Right. And having no joy with that. We. Well, uh, yeah. I, I think. Okay, so, yeah, go on. Yeah, no, I just think just to um, talk about Iwobi again, I just think the the one play that stood out to me was there was a play where Palace was around the box and there wasn't really um, anybody around um, or, or anybody close enough but Iwobi. And Iwobi kind of like dogged it over there. And I'm like, you've only been on for 10 minutes. You have the legs on the pitch. Like, like you got to go in and make sure, you know, we're in a one goal game here. You know, this isn't. You know, right. five, six goal games. Not like, not, not like we're up big here, and it doesn't matter if they score. It's just a, like there are little mental lapses here and there that it's like, okay, like I understand that you're only on for ten minutes. It's hard to get into the game, but there's certain things like using the fact that you have the fresh legs on the pitch to go at these guys and close them down and stuff like that. Those were like the little things that I noticed that I was a little frustrated with with Iwobi. I also would have bought on Bernard, um, but. You know that is the one thing that I was that I was particularly like, began screaming at my TV for because <laughs> he was just kind of like dogging it over there. I'm like, we're only up one goal. Like this isn't Fleetwood. We're we're not up three. <laughs> but um, but yeah, that that was the one thing um I noticed for sure. Um, but to move on now after you know it's now five in a row for Everton um to start the season. That's you know Premier League and Carabao Cup. We're gonna we're heading into the Carabao Cup fourth round here. Uh, it's gonna be Wednesday at um, two forty five um, over here on the East Coast in America, seven forty five British Standard Time. Um, we're gonna be taking on West Ham, um, the first Premier League talent we'll see in the Carabao Cup or outside of the Premier League. Um, we're recording before West Ham's first game on Sun or next game on Sunday. Their game versus Wolves. They've played two and they've lost both of them uh, in the Premier League. Under David Moyes, um, the last meeting with us was a one-one draw back in January. Um, let's start with, I think this is the big question. Now that we're facing a Premier League level opponent, how does Ancelotti line up for this one? Matthew, we'll start with you. Uh, same team as the one that played Palace. I would go with. I think it's too important that we win this game. Yeah, because we really need a trophy. I mean, if our season tailed off to the point where we finished like eighth, for example, which is not totally inconceivable because we only played three games. I don't think we will. I think we'll finish higher than eighth, but just say for argument's sake, if we win a cup, then that's still like a really successful season. In fact, I'd rather win a cup than finish fourth, to be honest. Um, so, 
even if it's one that is kind of less of a priority, like the Carabao Cup. Um, so while West Ham will probably, you know, I think they're probably going to be in a relegation battle this season. I would think this is probably not David Moyes' biggest priority. Um, I I think take advantage of them potentially feeling weakest side with the fact that by playing your strongest team. And if we play their strong, if we play our strongest team, then even if they play their strongest team, we've still got a better set of players on the pitch. Yeah. Um, just get the job done, and then if you're ahead, of, if you if we say two goals up at half time, then maybe you can afford to make some changes. But um, I I always kind of applauded Marco Silva last season for um, how seriously he took the League Cup games. You know, you think of the Watford game and the Sheffield Wednesday game. He played pretty much a full strength team. Um, I would like Antwerp to do the same. I think just get the just get it. Get the job done, and then you can think about changing things later. But it's too it's too important a game for me to mess around with the team too much. Calvin, yeah, I think I, I, I'm with Matthew on that one, right? Um, again, considering the fixtures we've got, we played yesterday, Saturday. We're gonna have this game Wednesday, and then one other game against Brighton on Saturday again, and then there's the international break. So I, I think th- this is the time, and I expect Carlo will probably play his best eleven which is the 11 that started everything in the league game so far. So um, I'm with Matthew on that one. Um, you know, we, we need to put our best team out. Uh, I'm absolutely all in on uh, we need to win a trophy. Um, Carabao Cup is, is fine. The FA Cup's even better, right? Um, and if uh, while we're doing all that, a Champions League spot opens up, then hey, great. Um, but yeah, definitely want to see our best 11. Um, I, I want to see a strong bench. I, I do want to see... Uh, maybe Nkunku and uh, Gordon both on the bench for the cup game. Um, I, I think they're going to bring some energy and uh, they definitely have the legs and the talent. Um, I am curious how Moyes is going to approach this game because um, I, you know, I looked at their lineup for their last, uh, actually both their Carabao Cup games. And they're, they're, you know, they, West Ham's such an interesting squad, isn't it? They've got such a deep squad. They've got some pretty good names in there, but it's, I think it's just a whole bunch of players who've somewhat underachieved in their careers, right? Um, you know, Lanzini, Fornals, Sebastian Haller, Yarmolenko, these are all players at some point we had been linked with as well. And, you know, somehow at West Ham, you know, I think you can argue they've not really come or lived up to expectation. Um, so, you know, that might be one of those things, Matthew, you were talking about where good coaching really elevates like good names to another elite status, which um, West Ham, I, I can't say I've had. I, I think Moa is is a, is a dinosaur in the game and I think the game's gone past him. But hey, that's me. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I, <laughs> I think to bring it back, I, I was interested to see that West Ham, you know, they lined up and they've been lining up as a, in a 4-2-3-1 formation, you know, which is pretty standard nowadays. But then in the game last week against Arsenal, right, they, they, they were 5-4-1. You know, they, 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 they had two, two banks of like, uh, defense back there and then just you know, pretty much left Mikhail Antonio up front alone on his own. And I'm curious what he's going to do for this game against us. Obviously, at this point, I don't think he's going to come out against us in a 4-2-3-1. Um, that, that's a midfield battle. That they're going to lose right off the bat with our three in the middle. Um, so I, I am curious how uh, Moyes is thinking about this game. 
Um, I am also concerned about Mikhail Antonio. I, I, I really like the guy. I think he's, 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 he's very interesting using him as a sole striker. Um, he's got a lot of energy. He's got a lot of pace. He can run. Um, he's very good in the air. So that, that, that'll be a good battle for Mina and Keane to try and shackle him. I watched West Ham against uh, Newcastle on the opening day when they lost 2-0 and they were yeah. absolutely awful uh, <laughs> in that game. I didn't watch them against Arsenal last week, but by all accounts, they were much better and put up much yeah. more of a fight. And obviously, they only lost that through a late goal. Uh, yeah. David, David, we should point out as well, David Moyes is uh, tested positive for COVID, so he's not at their game tonight. True. True. I don't know whether he will be on Wednesday. I think it's a Diop as well has got COVID, as well as uh, Josh Cullen, one of the young players. Yeah. So um, that potentially rules them out. Yeah. Moy seems to be doing what he did for the most part, Everton, which is signing and picking kind of workhorses over maybe the more technically gifted kind of luxury players. Yeah. You know, you look at the midfield of Martin Noble and Rice and Thomas Tuchek and there's not maybe a great deal of creativity there. Um similar like, you know, Jared Bowen on the wing, he's a very sort of hard working uh, player. He's, I I really like Jared Bowen, I think he's a good player, but he's He's got a much higher work rate than, say, Felipe Anderson does, who West Ham seems to be trying to sell. Um, and then again, Antonio up front is another one who never stops running, really, and has kind of, again, grew into that striking role. Uh, whether, obviously, if Moyes changes their team on Wednesday and plays some of their fringe players, then obviously they've got some very technically gifted players like Yarmolenko, who seems to be sort of the scourge of Everton every time playing. Um, Anderson, obviously, as I said before, Sebastian Haller, they paid what, 40 million for, 45 million for. Um, but you know, we got a better team than West Ham and, and we're in better form than West Ham, so I don't think there's anything to really fear about them there. We also have a very good record against West Ham, yeah, um, especially you know, that defeat at the start of Silver's reign aside, um, certainly at Goodison anyway, so yeah. You know, we should be favourites for this one. We should be confident about winning it. So I don't think there's anything to fear in West Ham particularly. Yeah, I don't... I don't also, think... Sorry, I would just say as well, the fact that Tottenham playing Chelsea and Liverpool playing Arsenal is another incentive, I think, to go for this. And then, you know, Man City seems to win this every year, but at least this year, the cup will kind of open up a bit more. And um, yeah, semi-final is just one-legged. So say if we got Man City, then we would we only have to play Man City once. Rather than beat them over two games, so um, I think you can't really incentivize this more for Everton than, than this year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree with you guys. I think that though, um, that the idea is they probably we probably should go with a um, the strongest lineup we have, especially since there's a, a couple weeks off after this with the international break. Um, I don't know if Angelotti will. Um, I feel like maybe we see maybe one or two changes at least. Um, you know, I, I feel like I feel like I just feel like with the games being packed on top of each other and, and us, I guess, reaching the end of that stretch, you never know who's going to be. You know, obviously there is a break coming up, but we still have a game against Brighton on Saturday as well. Um, so I, I don't know how tired people will be. Um, obviously, you don't want to risk injury because of you know tired legs or something like that or um, so I feel like maybe there will be one or two changes, um, but I don't think anything more than that. Most I could see is, you know, maybe, you know, 
bringing somebody in on the attacking side. Obviously, we don't have any options at center back, um, or else I think he would bring someone in there. But um, I agree that we probably should have Nkunku on the bench, um, along with Gordon. Um, I was kind of hoping Gordon would be on the bench for Palace, um, but unfortunately, um, it seems he was left out there. But um, it'll be an interesting game. Um, I mean, we should expect to win this one, no? We should, that's yeah, right. yeah, absolutely. It's no excuse really not to, considering the two the way both teams have started the season. Yeah, yeah. Anything else to add to this one, guys? Anything else you wanted to talk about, Calvin Matthew? I just think, yeah. I mean, it, it for me is a must-win game, and I, I would say I take your point on like the run of games we can't, but and you know the end, the the quick succession of games at the end of last season, but. I don't think there's much excuse for tiredness, really. Maybe apart from Alan or Rodriguez, who didn't have a full preseason. Yeah. But, um, somebody like Rodriguez or somebody like Gomez, well, who's had his tiredness. Yeah. Well, he's, he's left. He certainly left Rodriguez out of the squad for the two League Cup games. Yeah. I think he might have left Gomez out for both as well, and yeah. Alan, I think so. Whether that speaks to kind of using Rodriguez tentatively, um, but like I said, I would just get the job done, and then once we're two or three nil up, if we get to that position, then you can maybe tinker with the team a bit. But uh, we have two weeks; we have one more game against Brighton, and then two weeks off. So I don't think you know it's it's not like we have another sort of three weeks of constant churn of games after this. Right at the end of this now. So. Calvin, anything to add? Uh, no, I think I'm pretty good with this one. Yeah. Uh, moving on now to the final thing we got to talk about. the, um, As I mentioned, Everton playing Brighton on the weekend. Um, that's going to be taking place Saturday, 3 p.m. British Standard Time, 10 a.m. over here on the East Coast of America. Um, Brighton so far in the Premier League have played three games. They've won one and lost two, although their two losses were unfortunate ones, obviously. Um, their most recent loss against Man United, uh, the tough, tough penalty after the final whistle was blown. Um, definitely a hard one to swallow if you're a Brighton fan. Um, last time Everton played Brighton was the week before we played West Ham uh, in January. We beat them one nothing. Um, are we expecting if we go with a strong team at the midweek, should we expect a strong team to finish out this stretch here before the international break as well? I think so. I, um, I would I would assume that uh, he will go with the same team that beat Palace just because if it's not broken, don't fix it. Um, and again, you know, you don't know, maybe Brighton will kind of need some picking up after the way they, they let slip. I thought Brighton looked good actually against United. I'll give them that. Um, they yeah. whether, you, whether you say it's poor finishing or just uh, no luck, I think they hit the, the woodwork five times. So, yeah. Uh, and I played very well against Newcastle last week, beating them 3 yeah. 0. So, um, good players, but again, you know, are they better than what we've got? Or, you know, how many of their players would you swap for Brass? Probably not many. Um, I really like um, Lamperty, the, the right back, um, who looks to be like the next off the conveyor belt of English right backs <laughs> who we keep producing. Um, you know, he's he really made an impression so far. He's, you know, Extremely quick, um, up and down, up and down the right, the flank. Um, yeah. Really, sort of hefty, ta- hefty challenges, and uh, really just stuck in for Brighton. And he's only, I think, eighteen, nineteen. So, 
he's one to watch. Um, but um, I would still make Everton favourites in this one just because of the form we're in um, and just because the quality we've got at the moment. Um, but I mean, that game against Brighton last year was kind of, you know, again, it's kind of a hard fought win because they, they gave us a decent game in that one. And I can see them doing the same uh, next Saturday. Um, so while I would make Everton favourites and while I would stick with the same team, I wouldn't imagine it will be you know, massively straightforward. Mm-hmm. Uh, Calvin, thoughts on the team we should expect? Thoughts on Brighton? So yeah, Bright, Brighton again, an interesting team. I I, I think they they under they've underachieved in the past. Uh, I do actually like to watch them play. I think they've got a couple of really talented guys out there, right? Um, they've been really unfortunate this season. I think. Um, I think they were the better team against Chelsea and came out losers in that game. They walked all over Newcastle. That was really no surprise. Um, yesterday, I think they deserve to win. Uh, hitting the woodwork five times like wow on another day that's at least three to four goals out of that right i mean can you imagine if they after you know if they beat united 6-3 that would that would have like really raised eyebrows like throughout the the balling world so i think they're a good team um i think they their their setup is is what you know they, they live and die by the sword if you will um, they, they they line up in a three four three, and you know Graham Potter is uh, is, is more of a he's going to give it his best shot kind of manager, versus you know usual um, lower lower half teams that want to you know set up in five four ones and just you know park the bus. So I think it's going to be an open game. Um, I I don't doubt there'll be anything less than two or three goals in that one. Um, hopefully they're all for us. That would be nice. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, again, I think it's going to be a challenge. Um, I, I think Ancelotti is going to take him very seriously. Um, I, I think what's what's interesting is after that heartbreak they had against United, um, guess what? They get to do it all over again Wednesday because it's the same two teams playing at the Amex again for the fourth round of the Carabao Cup. So I, I wonder if, if Brighton's going to ha- have some revenge plan for United there. Um, and again, I'm assuming that that's going to be two really tough games for them. So it'll be interesting to see by, by the time Everton come around who who's on their last legs and who's still fresh for that one. I guess, again, the only real change you could consider just because everyone else has been... I mean, not, I, everyone else has been starting the season so well. And not that he hasn't, but I, think, I guess Andre Gomez is kind of the one way you think, do you give him a rest because of, of how overworked he was at first when he came back from his injury? Or yeah. maybe try someone bit more sort of flamboyant in, in, in that middle role like Bernard or um in Wobi, but um mm-hmm. I think any I don't think anyone would be surprised or be disappointed if it's the same eleven again because how can you really complain too much when we've won three right. games out of three, you know? Yeah. I think it's really important actually this game that we win be just because particularly because obviously it's the derby after that. Um, Liverpool play Arsenal tomorrow, um, which is a tough game for them because Arteta's already beaten them twice. They play Arsenal yeah. twice, um, right? Because they have to play them in the Carabao Cup, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. You yeah, play them in the Carabao as well. Um, so, you know, Liverpool might drop points there. You, you never know. Uh, and then they go to Villa next week, um, who've started the season pretty decent form. So, um, well, I don't know, they played one, but I think they won that anyway. So, um, you know, we could potentially go into that above Liverpool or at least level with Liverpool. And I think that would be an important 
um, sort of milestones to reach, even in this sure. early stage, just because it might give us a bit more belief. I think we, we lack belief in the derbies that we can actually beat Liverpool, whether they've been as imperious as they are at the moment or if, if they've been pretty average as they were for a few years before Klopp. So uh, if we can win four out of four and then go into that joint top or top, then I think that would really give us a bit more of a, an edge maybe going into the derby. So, um, yeah. And again, you know, it's winnable. So I think everyone would be pretty disappointed like the West Ham game if we didn't beat Brighton, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think we should expect to win this one. Um, I think if Gomes doesn't get a break in the midweek game, he probably ends up getting a break against Brighton. I, I can see that happening. Um, but otherwise, probably the same team. Probably the same team as against Palace. Um, I think, uh, you know, hoping for another win, hoping we can uh, keep this run going here. I didn't ask predictions for West Ham, so we'll do them both right now. Uh, Matthew, we'll start with you. Predictions for West Ham game and then the prediction for the Brighton game. Uh, I'll, put, I'll go the same for each. I'll say, if I know, I'll go 3-1 West Ham because I still don't really trust us to keep clean sheets, but um, more down to individual errors than anything. 3-1 West Ham and then maybe 2-1 Brighton. Yeah. 2-1, to, 2-1 to us against Brighton. I mean, and 3-1 to yeah. us against West Ham. Yeah. Uh, Calvin? Yeah, same thing. I think I see wins, or rather, we should really win both games, and we should win them comfortably. But I think, like Matthew, I, I don't think we are going to. I don't think we're ready yet to to win comfortably yet. So I think there's going to be a lot of grinding out wins where we're holding on to leads late in the game. Um, I actually think two uh, one against West Ham, um, and then uh, against Brighton. I want to say I think there's going to be a few goals in that one, so maybe three two. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, um, for me, it's, I don't know, I'm, I got a little belief. Maybe West Ham, we keep a clean sheet, 2 nothing, and then 2-1 um, um, against Brighton. I'm with Matthew and that. I think I think we should expect to win both those games, especially with the way we've been playing. Um, hopefully it works out that way. Uh, Calvin, thank you for joining us this week. We appreciate it. Uh, Matthew, yeah, thanks, of course, of course, Matthew, thank you as always. And to everybody out there, thank you for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week.